misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. Yo. Yo, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping, with me, Willie Whitebread, and Mark, the audio slave. What's up, everybody? Hey, so we're doing our first recording phone-to-phone at each other's own homes, and it feels a lot less intimate, doesn't it, Mark? It does not feel as organic as it has been, that's for sure, that's for sure. So everyone just please bear with So today, we're going to be talking about kind of the most pivotal time in rock and roll and how rock and roll kind of got a name for itself and formulated into what we know and love today, the late 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And what a beautiful, strange progression of time that was, eh? Well, you know, uh, we had a lot of... uh rock and roll characteristics even from today's standpoint in those songs in those periods i mean you know you have you had like people like you know fats domino and bill haley and the comets and you know bobby day and all those guys you know doing the the post elvis you know stuff so I, i i dig that time period i think it's cool you know it's definitely you know a retro time period for sure oh yeah absolutely and plus then like like you mentioned Elvis and and in the words of of Eddie Murphy that Elvis was a bad motherfucker boy. He oh was yeah. Bad man. He 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 brought he brought music to their knees, the whole industry down to their knees when mm-hmm. Elvis came out. And it's interesting too to see the progression of him cuz cuz back then and that's and that's another big reason why we made this podcast is because music's a kind of lost its originality to me, you know, like when Elvis came out I mean that shook the world. How many how many music artists have you heard in the last I don't know five ten years that have shook like shaken the world? Well, none. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. To and be honest, maybe, none. Yeah, and I'm trying to be as subjective as I can, and maybe you guys out there know something I don't, but uh, but I don't really know of any. So, um, and it's interesting, also, I think the the transition into rock and roll because even something you know like the, say the beatles for instance uh okay. they they started coming out in the early 60s more so big hugely prevalent in the in the early mid 60s kind of era there and before that time period you had uh you had some some sort of buddy holly-esque you know electric guitar a little bit of telecaster a little bit of semi-hollow body stuff going on but it was mostly it was mostly pretty PG stuff, you know. It was very oh yeah, it was it was definitely there was a lot of elements of like folk music and yeah. the blues and country inspired stuff, and there yeah. wasn't you know there wasn't a metal scene. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean nobody <laughs> nobody at that time nobody knew what a power chord was, you know what I mean? You play a you play a fucking power chord and people lose their mind. Yeah, not not until Sabbath came around, you know. Yeah, ooh, that's jumping, but fuck, man, yeah, not, well, not until those guys were the grandfathers mm-hmm. of psychedelic metal well let's go back to the chuck berry days let's 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 stick around over there for a little bit yeah the bo diddley chuck berry ventures and shit like that 
that was yeah. a pretty a pretty and i think it also interestingly had kind of a mild like i talked about kind of like a mild uh progression you know because because rock and roll at least to me i'm sure there's some critic out there going fuck him he doesn't know what he's talking about but to me rock and roll started with the african-american community i think okay. i think they have a solid credit with that because because in the 40s and 50s, you heard these blues artists, you know, the Robert Johnsons, the, you know, the Sons mm-hmm. uh, and, and stuff like that. And and nobody was doing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And they weren't at that time. It wasn't hugely prevalent in the world because, you know. It well, was... I mean, if you're thinking about the 50s, I mean, just 10 years before that in the 40s, they're all doing the jitterbug. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally, they're doing they're doing swing. You know, that, right. that was that was the big forties deal. So, right. And I think I think also one movie that I always liked watching that that kind of brought that fact to a to a very easy and and, and forefront point is uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, and and, and you kind of see because the those guys uh, they met, uh, you know, they met. A, a, a character depicting Robert Johnson, you know, they picked him up at the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that was big and we'll get up on blues more in a couple of weeks or next week or whenever the fuck we feel like it. But, uh, yeah. but, but they, they kind of depict it, you know, when they go, they take this Robert Johnson's character over to the radio station and they start recording even the, the radio producer he or the record producer there. He was like, ah, we want to hear some of that old bluegrass or some of that, some of that gospel music that's what plays you know and that's what gets radio play and shit like that so for for these guys these blues artists in the 50s and 40s for them to come out with these records it was really kind of uh you know kind of revolutionary in a sense you know yeah yeah absolutely um and so anyway, moving forward a little bit. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Stay in there. Stay in there for a minute. Well, you know, I I did see something like like if you could, if you like, what was the first rock and roll song? What was the first re- recorded song? And I, I I found that 1951 there there was uh, Ike Turner who recorded uh, a song called Rocket 88. Oh yeah, that was considered by many to be the first rock and roll song in history. Right. So yeah, and that's that was a great one to me though. To me on my side, I I personally think where rock and roll not maybe not started but when i first started you know everybody has a different ear of, and, and there's no set band or time that says oh well rock and roll started right the fuck here no like <laughs> it, it, to me i started here in rock and roll with like jerry lee lewis and like buddy holly yeah yeah like that that's when i started really being like oh man this is and chuck even some chuck berry stuff and he's a raunchy motherfucker too he's funny as hell but like <laughs> So that's that's when I really started listening and hearing like, okay, I can see where this graduated a little bit from the blues transition. I can see a little bit of what we got going on. Yeah, because because the English bands, they weren't they because, you know, there's the English takeover of the 60s. Like that's, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they called it the English invasion at the time. Is that what that was? <laughs> or no, the British invasion. That's what it was Yeah, called. and that's and that's to me, that's what it was. They had that shit, boy. They had it locked down. And what did, yeah. we had like Royal the, be- the Beatles, like the, Beach the Beatles, the Beatles. Everybody loved the Beatles. Yeah, and who did we have? We had fucking like the Beach Boys and Roy Orbison. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. some stupid ass shit. 
I mean, mm-hmm. they're good, but they're not. No, we had like the Everly Brothers and <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, they were they were good. <laughs> well, they were they, they came later. I think they were way later, yeah, actually. Yeah, they came late '60s kind of stuff. But um, but yeah. So so these what and I think what kind of prompted that that British invasion was, and you know, I, I read a little bit up on it and saw a couple of documentaries about it. Is these these British guys were going and buying all of the American you know, African-American blues records. Yeah. Because you can yeah. see, even in, even in a lot of songs, like that song, Whole Lot of Love from Zeppelin, that was a fucking Muddy Waters song, dude. Yeah, I mean, because that was their influences. They didn't have any other influences, so they, they were <laughs> right. They were sticking to what they knew, you know? Right. But, I mean, Pink Floyd, you know, and Les Zeppelin, to me, make the Beatles look like a... Oh, you know, a, a four fairies, you know, hanging out together. <laughs> well, I never, I never was huge on the Beatles. I mean, they were a, I mean, the absolute pioneers. You know, they were, they were when rock and roll really started. You know, you used to see little, little excerpts of shows they'd play on like little talk shows and shit. And I mean, bitches would be losing their motherfucking minds over the Beatles, boy. <laughs> Paul McCartney and fucking George Harrison and those boys, they were fucking lighting it up, son. They were they were kicking ass and taking names, but I I would agree with you. To me, I don't. I mean, I'll, every now and again when I'm cooking some eggs or something, I'll pop on a Buddy Holly record, or you know, maybe a Beatles song, maybe a little White Album or some Abbey Road or something like that. But you know, I'm not like Jones into getting my car and fucking <laughs> Beatles. I, I'm not I'm not in a super big hurry to hold anybody's hand. I can tell you that much. Yeah, unless you're listening to like later stuff like Revolver and you know stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so I think you were you were onto something too with the uh, with the Pink Floyd stuff because I think a lot of a lot of those '60s bands that I heard where where a lot of them was, were very much pioneers in their own craft. I think I think Pink Floyd sticks out to me as maybe one of the more prominent individual bands. Well, their genre was you know when they first came on the scene with Sid Barrett, they, they, they were known as experimental rock. They, they, really? they weren't. Oh yeah. Cause they were, they were doing all kinds of weird acid trip type, you know, sounds and long 35, 40 minute, you know, songs and stuff that nobody's even, you know, done before them, you know, yeah. until the grateful, grateful dead, maybe, you know, the jam band type stuff, but yeah, but it was, uh, it was definitely ahead of their time, you know, for especially- sure especially in the very early stages when, when, when Sid was with them. I mean, of course, you know, they did a lot of that kind of stuff too with Roger Waters, but mostly Sid Barrett days is, is when they, they just kind of just did a whole lot of synthesizer long. They used to have these parties. I saw a documentary on Sid Barrett once and they used to have these parties and, uh, you know, and it was like their concert shows or whatever, but they used to like, you know, have have these people come in and they were all probably taking acid and they, they were definitely you know doing that kind of psychedelic era type stuff and then and it, it was just like them doing these long instrumentals like you know pink floyd's just just like killing it on, on you know for like an hour straight <laughs> and these people are just like oh, oh just dancing around <laughs> yeah dude setting the control to the sakes. heart of the sun man that's, that's exactly yeah that, that's exactly right mm-hmm. yeah they were losing and it sucks what happened to sid too because he he essentially lost his fucking mind well 
thank God, because a lot of the songs that are the great Pink Floyd songs are all about Sid Barrett. With it, without him losing his mind, we wouldn't have all those songs. Yeah, Shine On You Crazy Diamond and, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and, you know, Have a Cigar and, you yeah. know, there, there's this thing, the list goes on and on, you know. Um, yeah. It sucks you... that he died so early, though. I mean, he was only like, he was well, he only didn't early, know. early 60s, wasn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, but it was natural causes. It wasn't like, you know. Well, in the in the insane asylum, yeah, but that's just I don't know, man. And it's it's got to be just something with the name Sid that makes a motherfucker go nuts, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Whether you may be Barrett or vicious, something about that name Sid just kind of sends you over the fucking proverbial deep end, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> another another uh, band that I really love, kind of psychedelic type band, was uh, Jefferson Airplane. Oh, Grace Slick, man. Yes, yeah, she was. Oh. I, I thought she was better than um, what's the other big female vocalist from the sixties? Uh, you know, had the you know I'm talking of Joan Jett or something. Uh, no, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was more more late sixties seventies, I, I would think. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, Janet Janice Janice Joplin. Janice. Yeah, yeah, she was drunk. Oh she yeah, was bad. Her managers like fucking hated working with her. I read a couple things about that. Her her managers absolutely loathed working with her but uh but uh yeah white rabbit from jefferson airplane you know that was their their claim to fame i would say their biggest hit yeah happens like uh, surrealistic pillow and and shit like that yeah and those songs have been taken and overdubbed and tried through through the years i mean people covered white rabbit a zillion times you oh. know oh yeah and uh I'm gonna slip a little a little Lou Reed in there with that punk, like psychedelic rock too because the Velvet Underground they were very much oh yeah for sure yeah. involved into that into the psychedelic scene and stuff like that they were very involved with it and even even a little bit of the poetic uh, incantations of of you know Jim Morrison and mm-hmm. the Doors and stuff like that they were a huge they were a huge influence on that kind of stuff oh yeah yeah you know, until I mean they didn't come till a little bit later but. Um, now, now one of the super groups that I don't think gets enough recognition for, for starting, you know, a lot of the sixties rock progression is, is one of my favorites, the Yardbirds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, you want to talk about three of the greatest musicians that have ever walked the face of the earth being in one band and they all hated each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That was where Clapton came from. Yep, Clapton, mm-hmm. Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, all those cats. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And Jeff Beck was kind of the catalyst to them to them breaking up. He had a he had a nervous breakdown and kind of just fucking lost his mind, smashed his guitar, and left. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not to not to take anything away from him. You know, he's still a, a fantastic musician and all that. Kind and of let's stuff. not forget about uh, the Rolling Stones coming out of that that time era. <sighs> no, I wouldn't forget about them. I don't. I I'm not I don't really love a, them. I'm. So, I was just gonna say, I'm not really a big fan. And I I I know they have a lot of great songs, but to me, I don't know if they, if they just got played out too much or. I think I think they have maybe to me one great song paint it black yep yeah well of course that's a great song but, <laughs> that's um, pretty much what i'm give me shelter is a good song too yeah that's in my opinion what do you what do you think about bob dylan uh what's your feelings on bob dylan one of the best songwriters of all time 
probably. I would agree. What about I Bob mean... Dylan's son? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> old Jake <laughs> from the Wallflowers. Yeah, uh, I actually like the Wallflowers. I thought they weren't bad. You they know, weren't awful. Yeah, they weren't just... terrible. Yeah, they were, yeah. you know, they were in that uh same category as uh you know the Jim Blossoms and stuff. But yeah, I love that uh that picture that that I posted about uh Bob Dylan getting his honorary doctorate in music from that you know incredibly old university over there in scotland did you uh-huh. see that one no <laughs> you didn't see that i'll send it to you it's uh if, if anybody oh the snape oh i doubt you i know you're saying the snape picture yeah, yeah yeah if you guys if you guys get a chance go look up a picture of uh of bob dylan receiving his honorary doctorate in music from this old uh scottish university or you know university yeah, uh, university. It looks literally like Professor Snape questioning Barty Crouch of the Ministry of Magic's morals. Yeah, super funny. <laughs> yeah, he just looks so mad to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he just looks like Snape. I mean, he just it looks like something right out of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's so good. But uh, so what? Like you had a you got a few other bands in there. Obviously, you got you know like Van Morrison and. And you were talking about how Clapton, or we were talking about how Clapton kind of boogied out of the Yardbirds after Jeff Beck threw a temper tantrum and started forming his own shit. How do you feel about Yeah, that? well, didn't he go, did, where did he go from the Yardbirds? He went directly to Cream, didn't he? Yeah, he went to Cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you, uh, what, how do you feel about them? I love them. Oh, man. Clapton is God. I mean, and people have said it a thousand times. This is a gr- he's a great, great performing live musician. I mean, I... Uh, I, I think Clapton's probably one of my top five guitar players of all time. Easily. I would agree. And and mostly for me, I think is because I don't really love, like I can appreciate those like wailing guitar players, like the 15 minute solo, like Steve Vai, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Joe Satriani, Joe Bonamassa type, type players. Mm-hmm. But I don't really enjoy them. Right, right. You know what I mean? After like six minutes of it, I'm like, all right, dude, like fucking say something or come out with a, a sick bass line or let's kind of that's kind of my my take on the Grateful Dead too. Like Jerry Garcia, I can yeah. I can dig him, but I have to be in the mood for him. You know, I just can't just sit there and listen to the Grateful Dead like these deadheads do all all day every day. I mean, I, I just have to, I have for have to be for fish and stuff like that. You know, the the jam band type stuff. I got to be in the you know in the right frame of mind mood. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I think that's what I was meaning. And I think Eric Clapton really does do a fantastic job of of really mitigating that and showing the world that he is an absolute god of the six-string guitar. Because he's, oh, yeah. he's not so overbearing. And I think probably of all those artists that, to me, that, that aren't, because Stevie Ray Vaughan, to me, I love him. He's a great musician, all this kind of shit. But I just, I think he's too much, too overboard to me. I think, I think Joe Bonamassa is probably, probably the, the most bearable one out of all of it to me. You like any of his stuff? I do. I do. It's funny because uh, the guitar luther I use here in town, I was over there a couple weeks ago. And he was telling me a story how uh, the last time that Joe Bonamassa came through town, he needed some some kind of part for one of his guitars, and he ended up going to to my guy's store here, and um, said he was like the nicest guy, man, the nicest guy, and he gave him you know backstage passes to my Luther and my you know my Luther's co co Luther, and uh, I, I mean I was I was blown away, and he was you know he was showing me like you know he gave him autographs and crap, but you know. Not only does he kick ass, because because he if, if you look up Joe Bonamassa on YouTube for guitar lessons, he's also giving guitar lessons online for free. Really? And he's, 
giving away all his little blues trade trades. Oh yeah. His trade secrets. And so, uh, yeah, I really, I, I, I like him as a person and I, I like him as a musician, man. I think he's really, really good. Yeah. My uncle Randy, uh, years ago, uh, sounds so redneck. My uncle Randy. No, <laughs> years the ago. Randster, huh? <laughs> yeah. The old Randster, the dirty Randster in the boys. <laughs> Uh, he he actually turned me on to to Joe Bonamassa, and uh, and I was jamming around because my dad was always because I feel like you're the, with those guitarists as well. We're getting a little bit off topic, but fuck it, you guys will love it anyway. Uh, I think I feel like with those guitar players, there's almost like like we talked about Harry Potter, like different houses, you know, battling against each other. You're either a Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, or mm-hmm. you're a fucking Joe Bonamassa fan. You're either a Steve Vai fan, or you're a fucking Joe Satriani fan. Right. You know what I mean? And and to me, like, they all have their own unique licks in a sense. But to me, they all kind of sound relatively the same. Oh, yeah. They're all based in the blues, man. That's where it is. Right. That's where it is. Beating the shit out of those pentatonic scales, boy. They beat the fucking shit out of those scales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, there's a little clip on Bob Dylan. And then you got... Moving into a little bit of the the middle '60s kind of stuff, you've got the Who coming out on the scene. Which, what's your what's your take on the Who? Um, I was never really a big fan of of you know of the Who. Um, I don't know. I guess they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all right. I mean, I know they tried with their, their Tommy and turned it into a Broadway musical and all that. Yada yada yada. But uh, I was, it's, I think, I think you're more of like either a Pink Floyd type wall guy, or you're more of a Who Tommy guy, and I'm definitely not the Who Tommy type. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they uh, they had a couple of a couple of different a couple of songs that I, I you know, I kind of like, like Pinball Wizard, and and you know, shit like yeah. That. Not being not saying that they're not great musicians. I'm just saying that just, I just never really got into them that much. Yeah, they played a good set. Um, you know, I watched a couple of their their sets at Woodstock and and Isle of the, like the Isle of Wight Festival and mm-hmm. shit like that, and they're pretty good. And and I love Keith Moon; he's real good. And Roger Daltrey and whatever Townsend Pete and all that, they're mm-hmm. good. But they're just they're just kind of one of those bands that just never never tickled my pickle, you know? Yep, never that's... never really got it up for me. That's exactly it. Yeah, and it's it's crazy too because Rainwolf they're actually touring with the who as we speak and i kind of wish they weren't because then i'd probably go see them well yeah yeah exactly the, <laughs> the, t- the ticket prices are probably astronomical oh my god dude and that's, yeah. that's another thing that i wanted to talk about last episode or the last couple of episodes man before we move on a little bit more is the absolute absolute like gang rape no lube action of say like Ticketmaster and and things like in 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 companies like that with how bad they are with their ticket prices man like their their convenience fees and shit like that yeah who are they paying for these convenience fees the fucking guy who fixes their web pages i mean yeah that's what i'm saying it's ridiculous yeah and 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 eddie vetter and stone gossard and the boys with pearl jam they they actually routed a case up through the the supreme court for these guys price gouging you know what I mean? Because yeah. in, in how they and how they put it too is they're like people that love our music, and I'm sure it's the same way. Because back in the '60s, you know, and throughout time, and I hate to say it, but a, a lot I feel like a giant percentage of these rock and roll fans of these different genres are not. It speaks to them on a different level, and they don't have a whole lot of money. 
mm-hmm. you know, because in the in the 50s, you had the blues guys that were out there working fields and they're kind of, you know, blue collar type folk. You I mean, I'm sure you had some upper class people that liked them, you know, but primarily I think it was probably more so the blue collar guys because it reached out to them because the blues they sing about, you know. Well, the blues, is the blues, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? because their broke asses couldn't do anything but sit around and drink and right. talk about the girl that left them. Right. And then you had the hippies and then you had the, you know, the, the punk rockers and then the grunge guys and all that kind of shit. And then the new wave, early 2000s. And, and the baseline of all those is, is, is the, 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 the big corporation, the big ticket companies were, were gouging these fucking fans so hard that the people that loved their music couldn't go see their shows because it was too expensive. Mm-hmm. And you remember back in the day, like the back in the days when Pearl Jam was was coming after these guys and they actually ended up banning having a like Ticketmaster ban tour. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. And back in those days, you couldn't just jump on the old Google box and jump on Live Nation or StubHub and grab some tickets. You had to pick your ass up, take your ass to the mall, mm-hmm. go in there, get your tickets, you know, all that kind of shit. And so, yeah, we, we, we said to get wristbands. You remember getting wristbands? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We oh, to yeah. Get, get up early on a Saturday morning and be to the Ticketmaster by nine o'clock because tickets were going to go on sale at 10 o'clock. And, yeah. you know, and you get there and you get your place in line and they give you a, a little little bar wristband and then you got to wait till your number's called to get your tickets. And yeah, it used to be a big system, big yeah. deal, a big deal. Absolutely. And so even even like I remember I was getting pissed like back in the in the 90s and early 2000s. I was like, fuck, man, I got I really want to go see Tim, Stone Temple Pilots, but the tickets are like 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, that sucks. That's a lot of money. And now. For instance, I was looking at the, the you know, we're going to go see Live in Bush. We're going to get the tickets for that soon. And I was going and looking at them. And I was like, oh, sweet. The tickets are 40 bucks. You know, that's cool. That's yeah. pretty cheap. And, uh, and I put two of them in the cart there. And the tickets are 40 And the convenience fee was like 23 Fuck. I was like, bro, you're charging like almost 60% markup. Like more than the fucking, like more than half the ticket price for what? Yeah, for for, fucking for, what? for 100 bucks, I can get into a festival and see like 14 bands in one day. <laughs> and that's why I, I pretty much like uh, Kristen and I, my wife, like we don't really go to music shows anymore because it's just so fucking expensive. They, it's everything's jacked up. And then you get down there and the drink prices are astronomical. Food prices yeah. are through the roof. And you know, I mean, I don't want to be bitching and moaning about prices these days, but it's definitely, you know, not cheap to go out to a concert. <laughs> no you yeah. know because that that you know you got the 40 dollar tickets right if we you know when we pay it to the bush and live show and then we got the 20 dollar convenience fee mm-hmm. or 23 or whatever you know so we're looking at 120 bones just to get in the door and then you got 10 dollar beers you've got 20 dollar parking you've got to you got to get a 25 dollar tour shirt you know mm-hmm. and so you're sitting by the time you walk out of that motherfucker you're sitting there with half a buzz a sweaty ball sack and 400 dollars in the hole mm-hmm you know, just to see a band that you used to rock out to in the car and the radio. Right. Yeah. You know? And it's fucking, it's a, it's a shit show. Sorry. I got off on a little tangent there, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so moving forward a little bit to the, the mid sixties and, you know, you mentioned them a little bit before you got Simon and Garfunkel and then you got my, one of my personal favorites, you know, and not somebody, not uh, somebody people don't really talk about very much is Frank Zappa. Oh, Frank Zappa. Yeah, of course. And don't forget, and don't forget his son Dweezil. Dweezil, and what's his what's his other other kid's name? Moon Unit. Yeah. And, and Ahmed. Yeah, it's Moon Zappa. That's right. Yeah, is it Moon? Just Moon, or is it is it Moon Unit? I have no idea. 
I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't remember what it was, but uh, Dweezil's Apple, Dweezil Zappa, actually uh, just came over to Panavidra not too long ago. It's Dweezil, yeah, Dweezil, Moon, Ahmet, and Diva. Yeah, Dweezil used to be a uh, a, a VJ on MTV back in the old days when MTV actually played music. God, I used to love that. Mm-hmm. Waking up for school and putting on. You know, throwing on the old MTV and listening to the rock countdown and all that kind of shit. Yeah. You know, and I thought when they came out with MTV2, they were going to be like, okay, well, we're going to make this one. This is definitely going to be the one that we're just playing music on. No. Nope. You got to monetize it, brother. You got to make that money. You got to get those ads in and there. Then now, commercials. And then now you have MTV. They have, they do have like an MTV Live concert channel. You got to pay like $100 extra for your cable bill every month. But they do have it. And they play nothing but concerts and stuff, but oh, most of cool. but most of the concerts now are just like they're like rap or pop, super pop, you know, like Pink, Twenty One Pilots, to <laughs> the fucking threshold. Well, yeah, but exactly, <laughs> you know, it's not it's nothing that anybody really wants to see, I guess, unless you're a fourteen year old girl, right? But mm. or a twelve year old boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and I also like like throughout the sixties too, because even in the, I feel like the tide really changed. Like oh man, you had six sixty five. Oh man, Steppenwolf was coming around. Yeah, Creed's Clearwater Revival was coming around. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Peter the, Frampton. The the animals, you know. Yeah. Were, so yeah, it was definitely a lot of good shit going on in the mid sixties yeah. for sure. Rush and all those guys, because I feel like like I don't know, like in nineteen sixty five, it just hit a fucking like just a, a a real pinnacle because before that you know you had your beatles and you had your bob dylan and a little bit of stones and all that kind of shit but you still had that like almost like a heavier blues influence right yeah you had like you know stevie wonder and james brown and chuck berry and yeah all those kind of guys coming out and then 1965 hits and you kind of see them dying off mm. you know what i mean like you had otis redding he came out with an album in 65 which you know that's he's he's a blues cat you know, mm-hmm. and that's good. But you had the the people like like who I absolutely despise, like the Beach Boys and all those fucking temptations and shit. They were falling kind of to the wayside. And yeah. then the tide shifted and something happened, you know, and people started. I don't know what it was, what was in the water. I think maybe it was the hippie, you know, the hippie kind of lifestyle coalition coming around and, and, and breaking through that mold a little bit because then you got Frank Zappa and cream and mm-hmm. kinks and fucking Simon, you know, Simon Garfunkel, whatever. They all started coming out in like 66. So I really think like that was the, that was the turn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's, and that's like we talked about a little bit earlier, like those, those kind of bands, because, you know, you listen to, you know, you talk to some of the, the older cats in their, in their fifties and their sixties and stuff like that. And they'll tell you, they all, they all say the same thing. Cause I talk to a lot of them about music, talk to a lot of people about music in general, but I talk to them about music cause I'm very curious about that time period. Cause obviously that wasn't alive, you know, right. It's a completely different world. And you've got these people talking about how these bands came out. Like in 67, when, when Jimi Hendrix started getting real big, they, 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 they were blown away by these musicians. You know what I mean? They were like, holy fuck. Did you just see what Peter Frampton did with his voice? Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you fucking hear that dude that nobody's ever done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and, and, and now I feel like there's no originality. Well, 
you know, I, I mean, there's only so many things you can do with a guitar on stage, too. <laughs> I mean, right, that hasn't been done yet. Right. right. I mean, Jimi Hendrix lit, a, lit his guitar on fire. So, I mean. Yeah, playing it with his tongue and all sorts of fucking yeah, crazy yeah. shit. So, he did, like, he did like 50 things already that, 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 that has been done so many years ago in the 60s that, you know, if you, if you do it today, it's like, oh, that's, Jimi Hendrix did that in the 60s. You know, it's like, that's, that's not new. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's none of it. None of it's really none of relevant, it's really relative, relevant, relative, new, all been done. Because I don't even know, like, I'll put on a rock station, a quote unquote rock station nowadays, and I don't even really know what I'm listening to. You know, oh, yeah, it's, it's I, I call it man rock. A lot of that five finger death punch type, you know, oh, you know, just five finger death punch. God damn it. I don't know. I can't listen to the radio, regular radio. <laughs> are they are they still around? Five finger dick punch. I mean, death punch. Are they still I, around? I think so. I think they are. Yeah. Are they? Well, they shouldn't be. <laughs> they do a lot for the military community. So, like, they're. I know they're great guys, um, but they're. I don't even understand how that like mashup of Metallica and Godsmack had this fucking idiot child and it just runs around and runs into walls and now they're making albums. Wow. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. That's exactly <laughs> what they sound like to me. They sound like, like fucking James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, like gang banged a bunch of the fucking dudes from Godsmack and out came five finger douche punch. And they're just running around fucking, he's just running around falling on himself, making songs. It's kind of what it sounds like. The Kinks back in those days, the Kinks was, were, were a big one. Then you had David Bowie hopping on the scene. The Moody oh, Blues. Yeah. The Moody Blues. Yeah, Moody Blues yeah. is good. Oh yeah, yeah. Moody, and see, that's that's another because those those blues cats they came out a little bit of they they maintained a little bit of their their strength during that time period, you know, because you had like Aretha Franklin. She she released an album in like sixty seven, sixty six, something like that, or sixty seven. Yeah, she released yeah. an album. You mm-hmm. know, I never loved a man the way I love you, and and I love Aretha Franklin. I love that blues stuff, man. That's why when I heard Rainwolf for the first time, I was like, holy shit. One, you guys are way too late. And two, you're fucking incredible. I cannot stress this enough, guys. If you haven't gone and, and listened to Rain Wolf yet, you have got to do it. Especially you old school, like classic rock cats. And, you know, if you love the blues, you've got to go check these guys out. Rain Wolf? What is a Rain Wolf? Yeah, fucking Rain Wolf. <laughs> Don't tell me about no Rain Wolf, you fuck. Let's talk about the band. Another good band. Oh yeah, the band. Yeah, (laughs) it was another good one. But uh, so yeah, I just um, speaking of cream as well. Don't you can't forget about the monkeys. (laughs) Oh, dude, I have like funny enough, man. uh, You know, so I got this house from from Mike and Gina when they lived in here. Some of our friends, Mike and Gina, I bought my house from the person that they're renting it from, and they left like two boxes of albums here. You know, and the majority of it was crap, but. I, they had like the entire monkeys discography in there. Yeah, man. Day, it, daydream believer can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I have a I have a ton of of monkeys albums, and uh, I went to this little vintage vinyl sale the other day, and I ended up picking up an original copy of Heavy Cream, and I fucking love that record. 
I am a huge fan. But anyway, so and then we'll move move to the the last little bit of the '60s there, and that's and then uh, Vanilla Fudge was another band. I don't know why. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know why I was think Clapton was in that. Was he? I don't think so. Let's, mm. let's look that up. Vanilla Fudge, because somebody's gonna call us on our shit and be like, "You don't know Vanilla Fudge." I know that that Zeppelin had a lot of influence from Vanilla Fudge, specifically John Bonham. John Hmm. Bonham took a lot of lessons from the the drummer of Vanilla Fudge. I don't remember what his name was, but um, he he took a lot of lessons from that from that guy. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm, John Bonham was a sick, sick drummer. No, Clapton wasn't there. Nope. No, Clapton wasn't. Didn't think so. Now, what do we have? Carmine Apis drums? Yeah. Okay. Carmine Apis drums. Yeah. So, which which leads us into the into the next points? Uh, point. James James Brown. <laughs> oh, James. Yeah, I mentioned James Brown a little bit earlier. Um, which, what was your next point? Because my mine, mine was James Brown. So, what's your next point? <laughs> oh well, I don't want to move too far forward. What you got to say about Mr. James Brown? Take it to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> get down yeah eddie murphy man he killed that shit he's like yeah that was a james brown lyric hey, yeah. the hey, right hey. right right <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to interrupt your next point oh, was no, man. no please interrupt no I i'm, I'm actually now I'm, you got me curious to see what your next point is <laughs> <laughs> my next point is is the beautiful year of rock and roll 1969 oh the summer of love the summer of love baby and holy fuck what a powerhouse for music you had you had that's when abbey road came out that's when the who dropped tommy that's when zeppelin came out that's when uh let it bleed from the stones came out the band fucking credence crosby stills and nash that's when all those guys started Mm. dropping the heavy heavy shit so 69 i feel like that was that was the real powerhouse behind it yeah, I have to agree, man. Isn't yeah. that wasn't that Woodstock too? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. God, I would I would totally give my left nut just to go back in time just for Woodstock and come back. Really? For I re- sure. I mean, heard it's a shit show with some water. <laughs> I would go back with like a case of water. Yeah, yeah. Take like, maybe like a little tent thing. It's like uh, take the most poorly organized festival you've ever been to in your life and then like times that by 10 (laughs) right Right. do you ever um did you ever like really really get into some of zeppelin's lyrics i know they um they received a lot of a lot of flack because they they i wouldn't say they covered but they kind of redid a lot of older blues musicians songs like i mentioned whole lot of love was a was a muddy water song um but something that always impressed me about zeppelin other than the the astoundingly obvious they're fucking incredible factor is uh is is their um their focus on like druidism and jr tolkien yeah i was gonna say a lot of the stuff from lord of the rings you hear in the zeppelin lyrics yeah like ramble on shit mm-hmm. talking about, talking about Gollum. oh yeah oh yeah that's fucking wonderful talking about hobbits and shit yeah, that's just wonderful, man. And and how far? Because you got to think, man. All those cats. I mean, they were, you know, John Paul Jones. He was like, a, they were mostly studio musicians. I know Robert Plant. He was just a, he was a young cat, and he was singing for a couple different people, like little garage band type things, and and whatever. Um, and John Paul Jones, he was a studio musician. I think, I think John Bonham was a studio musician as well. Um, 
but Jimmy Page, he was the actual, he was an actual musician at that time. He was a child star. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was. He was playing on like little infomercials and I forget some of his other bands that he was in before the Yardbirds, but he was, uh, yeah, he's been, he was born and bred for guitar playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen pictures of him in the, in the 50s and stuff, you know, with his big, uh, you know, hollow body Les Paul. Yeah, and his uh, around his neck. Yeah, his silk shirts with beads and bejewels and all sorts of shit on it. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any validity to him worshiping the devil with Aleister Crowley and all that? Yeah, you know, I don't really buy into all that, honestly. No. But, I mean, he could have went through a phase. Who knows? You know, everybody has phases. Yeah, we all go through a little devil worshiping phase, right? <laughs> collecting knives. Yeah, talking collecting to, knives. Talking to the devil, you know, you know. Yeah, talking to the devil, sacrificing cats, all that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. you know, we, all, we all go through a little bit of that, you know, right? Comes probably usually around anywhere between 14 and 18 years old. Yeah, everybody does that, right? 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 Right, <laughs> right, right, for sure. Hello? <laughs> Click. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that was a that was a little bit of our our take on the on the '60s. I wanted to talk about it a little bit, and I think next week we'll get a little bit a little bit heavier into the '70s transition and and how things started. I wouldn't say fizzling out, but you you had one of those again one of those huge transitions of power in rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So you started moving around. Like you're you're going from like you know half acoustic to fully plugged in freaking turn up the speakers type rock and roll when you hit the 70s yeah. come on feel the noise you know well that's not until the 80s i don't think <laughs> <laughs> you had your your uh your alice coopers and all that kind of stuff really coming out oh man yeah, this, 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 i love the 70s man the 70s has some really good rock for sure for sure but we'll get a little bit into that next week so we're gonna wrap it up guys as always, if you uh, if you like what we're talking about, please um, subscribe to our podcast. Email me at willywhitebread69 at gmail.com if you want to you know, hear anything. Tell me to go fuck myself, whatever. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I might also, do that. I might, I might just log on just to, just to do that this week. You probably <laughs> if I, should. If I don't do anything email, else this week, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> you should, right, because the only person that's emailed me so far is, is our – our audio engineer, Mike, Mike <laughs> Martinez, he literally emailed me to go fuck myself. So. <laughs> there is that. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for next week for our uh, episode on the 70s. Yes. Yep. Take it easy, guys. It's been See a pleasure. Later. Bye.